Welcome to Gateway Church Wirral Online. We're so delighted that you're with us this morning. So great that you can be a part of our live streamed gathering. Just to welcome you to this space and what we're all about. Um, to say that we as a church, we're all about seeing people meet with God, encounter him for all his goodness and his grace and for lives to be changed by him. As a church, we want to see a world transformed, made better and better through every life transformed by the grace of God. So our hope and our prayer for you today, meet with Jesus in the things that we're saying, in the things that we're singing, in the way that we're opening up the word of God, which is alive for us today. We want you to know Jesus, know that he loves you, know that he has a plan for your life. And as we're going through our gathering this morning, do please connect with us here in this live stream space. You can fill in our connection card. The tab, I think, is at the top of your screen. Request prayer if you'd like to. There are great, friendly people who would love to pray with you. And do just connect with us in any and every way that you'd love to. As a church, we gather. That's what we're about today. When we come to the close of our gathering, I'll tell you how you can connect with us going forward into the week. So have a really great time. Be blessed. Enjoy yourself and enjoy Jesus, we pray. It's wonderful to be able to praise God together um, in this way and to celebrate um, that God is our friend, that he loves us and that he welcomes us in. And, uh, and really, as a church, that's what we're all about. We're all about welcome. Has anybody here experienced the welcome of Jesus Christ? Yeah? Uh, has anybody extended the welcome of Jesus recently? I hope that you have, because I'm going to lead us just for the next few moments in talking and thinking and praying. Thank you. Ooh, there we go. And uh, about um, how it is that we can be people of welcome. In a little while, um, I'm going to be opening up the Word of God with us, and we're going to be talking in our sermon series that we began at Easter. Isn't Easter just the greatest moment of welcome? Yeah? The Bible teaches us in the, the, the letter to the Hebrews that Jesus himself opened up a new and living way so that people might come to God through him at Easter time. This is what happened at Easter. It cost him everything, but this is how much Jesus is a person of welcome. This is how much God cares about inviting you to be in his family. And at Easter, we started talking about invitation, how it is that we can bridge divides, we can cross barriers, we can reach out both to one another as a church that truly loves one another, but also into our world. And the biggest way that we're doing that at the moment is through the Alpha Course. Yeah, I thought I might get a little whoop, and uh, thank you, 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 are, you, you are for me, and I appreciate that. Um, but next time I maybe say the Alpha Course, you might also want to get excited, that is really good. Um, let me explain. Uh, the Alpha Course, is, it's a journey of exploring the big questions of life and of faith and of meaning. And over an, a number of sessions, over 11 sessions, there's an opportunity to look at some of the really big questions that maybe you or people that you know have been wrestling with. You can ask questions honestly, openly about, is God real? Who is Jesus? Does he really care? Does prayer work? What about suffering in the world? There's going to be this wonderful presentation. Um, it's all, it's, for those of you who perhaps have done the Alpha course before, let me tell you, it's, it's all been utterly revamped and, and refreshed and made really exciting and engaging. There's going to be a great presentation every week about these different topics. And then there'll be an opportunity in small groups with people that you'll get to know and feel comfortable with to chat about them, to say what you think. And to ask your questions, there are no silly questions in the Christian faith. I hope everyone here knows that to be true. Um, I hope we all, <laughs> we all can say there are no silly questions. That's why I'm here, because I ask them all. Um, and you, know, you can ask whatever you want. You can just be yourself, be open, be free. And what we believe is that through this, you'll get to know that God really does care for you. That he's got good plans for your life that he has this incredible way of invitation. So what we're going to do just in a moment now is we're going to pray into our upcoming Alpha course. But before we do that, there's two things that I want everybody in our church to be doing. And one is actually about prayer. And for the last couple of weeks and, and through the entire course, what we're inviting everybody to do who is a part of our church is to pray for three people. 
Okay, we've all got the brain power to remember three names, I reckon, haven't we? A few of you are looking like, I don't know whether I have. You do, you've got the brain power um, to pray for three. And, and so what I'm going to invite you to do, and many of us, we've been thinking about our three already. If you're there online, you're thinking about your three, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be praying for them right now. Maybe you've already started inviting them. Maybe some of them have already said yes. I've been really privileged to be receiving people's sign-ups and seeing, oh, I want to sign up because so-and-so invited me or so-and-so invited me. I can't tell you what kind of a thrill that gives to me as your pastor. Um, it's joyous, and we're going to want more and more and more of that because we're starting on Wednesday. This coming Wednesday, the entirety of the church and everything that we do is going to be about the Alpha Course. And then for these next weeks, it's all about making people welcome, inviting them and talking about these things. So every day at 11.02, we're inviting you just to stop for a minute and pray. Pray for your three. Why 11.02? Well, it's because in Luke's gospel, chapter 11 and verse 2, Jesus invites us to pray. And he says, here's how you can pray. You can pray to God saying, your kingdom come. Everything of who you are, everything of what you want to do in this world, everything of what you want to do for my friends, God, would you do it? And so I hope that you've established that practice already, but if you've not, it's not too late. We can start now. I know I'm a little bit early today, but you'll forgive me. 11.02, set it in your diary, set yourself a reminder, put yourself a big post-it note on the mirror or your forehead or your computer or wherever it needs to be, and, and remind yourself to pray for one another. We're going to do that right now. But the other thing that I'm asking you to do is to sign up. And hopefully you've already signed up. I know I've just put the link um, into the chat online. Um, you're wondering how I did that. I did it before I got up here. Um, but it's there in the chat if you've not yet signed up. If you've not yet signed up, you can do it at our online bulletin, which is our, our link tree slash Gateway Church Wirral. If that doesn't mean anything to you, you can also go to bit.ly slash Gateway Alpha. Is that memorable? I don't know whether these things are memorable. If, if you've also got one of these cards, all of the sign-up details are there. Um, maybe could we just have that like written on the screen really, really big so that people could, uh, could sign up for that right now? That would be really, really helpful. You can get out your phone if you've not yet signed up. You can sign up even right, right now. And uh, we're getting goodie bags sorted to send out to every, all of our guests who are signing up. Everybody in the church is going to get a guest manual so that you can really engage with this. We're really, really looking forward to this. And even better than that, it's not just us here in Gateway. It's our, our sister church, Oasis in Wallasey, and they're doing it as well. Not only that, 160 other Elim churches up and down the country are also going to be journeying through the Alpha course with us at the moment. I think that's really exciting, don't you? I think it's a lot more exciting than that, but I'll forgive you for the moment. Um, come on, would you pray with me? Um, maybe if you're in the building, perhaps you'd stand with me right now. That would be really great. At home, get off your couch. Come on. And would you stand with us? And we're wanting to pray together right now. Look, if you're signing up as I'm speaking, that's okay. But we're also all wanting to be praying for our three. Now, everybody here, would you hold up three fingers? Did you do that? Uh, have a look at those fingers and think, <laughs> this is not the scouts, <laughs> but uh, hold up your fingers and have a look at them and think, okay, this finger is for so-and-so. Uh, my little girl at the moment, she clambers into our bed and she chucks her foot onto my face normally and then she says, do my toes. And what she means is, you know when you do this little piggy went to market and this little piggy stayed home, do you know this thing? Don't look at me like I'm crazy. Uh, it's a bit like that, but more important. Okay, so you know, grab a hold of your fingers and say, look, I'm praying for my friend so-and-so. My, my, not that your friend is a so-and-so, but I'm praying for my friend. I'm praying for my family. I'm praying for whoever it is. Come on, should we pray together, church? Let's pray. Jesus, we want to thank you that you have welcomed us. Lord Jesus, I pray that each and every one of us who is a follower of you would begin in a fresh and a new way to appreciate that you've welcomed us in. You didn't have to. We were far away from you, God. We had distanced ourselves from you. There was so much that was dividing us from you, but God, you came for us. You bridged every divide. You journeyed as far as it would take you, even to the cross, even to giving yourself for us. 
so that you might welcome us. God, would you thrill us with the joy of our salvation? God, would you excite us about the way that you have invited us in? And Jesus, as we're celebrating our own welcome into your family, Jesus, we're wanting to say, we've got loved ones, Jesus. We've got friends. We've got colleagues. We've got neighbors. And we want them to be invited as well. We want them to know that you're real, that you love them, Jesus, that you've given everything so that they might have relationship with you, that you want them to have the fullness of life now and forever. Jesus, we're praying this. God, would you go ahead of us? And for our three, would you please, God, just speak gently to them, love them, God, open their hearts, their minds to be ready to to listen, Lord God. We know that what we can say is, is sometimes it doesn't feel very adequate. But the way that you can speak life to somebody is always more than good enough. And so we say, would you do that, Jesus? Would you open opportunities so that we might tell them how much you love them, how much we care for them? And then, God, would you open our mouths? Give us courage, Lord Jesus, just to get across that that, that little moment of awkwardness. Lord God, help us to be people who are willing to put up with a moment of awkwardness for the sake of an eternity of joy. Lord Jesus Christ, I pray that you would do this wonder in and through your church for the good of our friends and for the glory of your great name. Amen. 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 Don't leave it here, church. Don't leave it here. You know, invite your three, pray for them, sign yourself up, make sure you're present to be a blessing to people who are coming along. Will you do that? Come on, will you do that, church? Oh, good. I'm so glad. And Karen's going to lead us in a family moment now and tell you about some of the family resources we've got in our room downstairs as well. Thank you. Good morning. It's good to be here, isn't it, this morning? It's good to be online. So, of course, family resources. We've got our basement downstairs, which is equipped in case your children get a little bit restless. There are some craft down there. Also, Sunday afternoon, parents, 4.30, we have Gateway Kids, please jump online we have amazing times we apologize now if your house does get a little bit messy because we do send them round trying to find things although last week they were pretty good they were putting them back in the middle of the game but if your children aren't connecting please ask them and encourage them and connect them on zoom on a sunday afternoon our youth as well is meeting on a friday we are we will be doing the alpha youth starting this Friday. So can I also encourage you to ask your young people to invite at least three friends to it and we're going to have an amazing time as well. Talking about that, anybody hungry? Yeah. Anybody miss going out to restaurants? Confession, I've actually booked for the 20th of May. I've already got a table booked or 20th or 21st of May with some friends to go out. I haven't gone into as they say, beer garden as such, yet. I haven't done that. But we miss socializing, don't we? We miss being together. And I want to ask the question for you this morning is, have you a place at the table? Is your table set up or have you been invited to the table to join in? Now, is any of you, are any of you a fussy eater? I am. I'm pretty fussy. Okay, when I was younger, I literally got ham on the plate instead of meat. It was just pure ham with my Sunday roast and things like that. And my dad always had a rule. You have to have one bite of everything. You're not leaving the table until you've had one bite. Now, of course, many times when you talk about friends, things went in your mouth and you might need the toilet afterwards straight away for it to disappear out of the mouth. But there's a trick for you. Sorry, parents, if your children didn't know how to do that yet. But there we go. But we can be fussy eaters, can't we? I remember my first mission trip. We went to Uganda. And as a rule, you're always told, eat what is put in front of you. So the first thing that was put in front of me was pawpaw, I think it was. And we're like looking at it and it's like, mm. So we ate that. Then the next thing that was put in front of me was liver. Anybody a liver fan? Now, one of the ladies that was with us knew what to do because she had a big handkerchief and she had a handbag. And let's just say her plate cleared pretty quickly and the rest of us were struggling to eat this pawpaw and liver. And when we got back to the hotel, 
She was like, this is what you do. And she was cheeky, and she outcame the poor, poor, and the liver. She'd eaten a little bit of it, but the rest of it she'd hidden. We can be fussy eaters, can't we? But we're invited to eat at the table. Jesus is inviting every one of us to eat at the table. What is the weirdest thing you've eaten? Anybody eat an ostrich? It's pretty tasty. It's good for you. Anybody eaten kangaroo? You used to be able to buy it in Sainsbury's. You can't anymore. Anybody eaten frog's legs? Come on, that's a common one. Yep. Not that keen on that one. Snails? Uh, crocodile? Any, you got any of the strange ones? Any stranger ones than that? I thought they were quite weird on that one. There's a few things, aren't they? Some of these things sound, don't they, really strange. And if they're presented to you at the dinner table, would you eat them? Do you think you'd eat them? Or would you kind of say, no, not going to do that on that side of things? But the question is, hopefully you will eat at the dinner table. Now, the children coming in hopefully will have received, and if you haven't, some Skittles, okay? There'll be some Skittles coming around, two bags of Skittles. If, I'm going to go this way down here. There we go. If you look at Skittles, don't you? There's lots of different colours, yes, in the Skittles. Full of rainbow, full of different rainbows. And it kind of represents every one of us. Because we're all different, aren't we? We can look in the mirror and we're all different. But the good news is, is we're made in the image of God. God loves every single one of us. Now, they might, you might not be able to see this, but if we, hold on. And this is why you've got two packs of children. Do this. If we pour hot water into these skittles, tested this and it worked it doesn't seem to be working but it's coming together it's coming together what happens is the hot water draws all the colors together to unite us as one and God wants us to be united as one family now this afternoon kids get your skittles get some hot water with your parents pour it on and you'll see the colors being drawn together and think about how God loves us no matter what, no matter who we are. God has invited every single one of us to the table. So whether you're young, you're old, whether we're from different cultures, from different countries, God has invited you because he loves every single one of us. So get excited, even though the restaurants have been closed and, been, and you haven't been to a restaurant. God's table is always open. It's always open for every one of us. So you are invited to the table. There's a place at the table set, especially for you. Amen. Yeah, don't worry. You can leave the Skittles if you want. I, I'm more of an M&M's kind of. Does it work with M&M's? It might do. Not the same. It really is great. We should get a close-up of this on the camera later. It's this swirling, whirling mass at the moment. Um, fantastic. Um, but it is to say that um, we are invited. And what we're celebrating over um, these weeks is that we are a church of incredible diversity. Now, this is something that it, it is unusual. And it's because of, you know, courageous people coming into um, this, this area, the Wirral, and reaching out one to another. It's because of people of welcome who have valued one another. And what we're saying is actually what we have as a church isn't something that we should take for granted. It isn't something we should just assume kind of happens anyway because it doesn't in our world. What we're actually saying as a church is how can we not only say, yes, we are wonderfully diverse, 
but how can I celebrate that diversity? How can I get to know somebody who perhaps doesn't look like me or sound like me or doesn't come from the same country as me? Or, you know, how can I reach out across other divides, across generations? How can I, if you're a young person, reach out to some of our senior saints um, in the church? If you're an older person, how can I reach out to some of the younger people? You know, if you're a man, how can I make a, a church that is such an affirming and wonderful place for women that they feel fully secure and valued in this place? And, and these are the kinds of divides that our world is really rubbish at bridging, if you don't mind me saying. And, you know, we've said already as part of our series that whilst politics and protest have their place in the world, they can't possibly hope to provide the answer. You know, politics does its best within the understanding that it has, but, but we have something better, don't we? You know, we have Jesus, who has made this wonderful way for us all to come. This past week, um, on Tuesday, it was 115 years since a powerful and profound moment of invitation and welcome. And 115 years ago, on a street called Azusa Street in Los Angeles in California, there was a gentleman named William Seymour. And he was a one-eyed African-American preacher. He was part of the holiness tradition. And he so profoundly cared about what God was doing in the world. And he so humbled himself and devoted himself to prayer and service that this African-American preacher, he decided to set up a room for prayer on Azusa Street that would be open to anybody, no matter who they were or what their background was. And it would be open round the clock. And they got to praying. Within a month, Hundreds of people were gathering, praying night and day under the leadership of him. And it was scandalous to people in the world. You see, men and women were able to come and pray to the same God in the same place because he was their father. And people from different backgrounds, you know, Asian Americans, African Americans, uh, white Americans, all kinds of different people, people who were wealthy and poor, educated and illiterate, were all coming into the same place to praise this same God because the very Spirit of God had poured out profoundly upon them in that place. And here we are, beneficiaries, because of that devotion to a God who cherishes, values, celebrates the diversity that he has made and makes a way for us all to be one. Now, because of Azusa Street and places like it now, there are 584 million Pentecostal and charismatic Christians around the world. I think that's pretty good news because I'm one of them. And, uh, you know, we are a Pentecostal church. We believe that the fullness of God's Spirit is at work, it is present. That the Holy Spirit himself is present at work within his people and his church today. And so we're wanting to say, we want to prize one another in the way that they did. You know, 115 years ago, we've still got something to learn, I think, don't we? Isn't it true that God is still wanting to do these things through people like you and me who, I guess we recognize our limitations. You know, as Pete Gregg comments on what happened in Azusa Street, he said, some people still ask me, what is the point of a special prayer room and of praying night and day in one when it's perfectly possible to also pray alone at home or out in nature? Well, maybe Azusa Street should be my answer. That is a good answer, isn't it? You know, our world says, you know, separate yourself. Our world says, do your own thing. Our world is rampantly individualistic. It says, really, there's no point in trying to, you know, give yourself to people who don't seem like you, or there's no point in gathering yourself together. There's no point in these things. And we've lived through a year that practically and, and rightly has caused us to be separated from one another. But God says, I still want to do incredible things through people gathering together in unity, actually bridging divides, preferring one another, being humble before God and before one another. William Seymour, who set up that prayer room, um, Frank Bartleman, who comments on it, he, he says, actually, he, he used to, because it was just a pretty unremarkable clapboard building, and he said, actually, there were some shoe crates, empty shoe crates in the building, and, and William Seymour, he was so humble, he didn't want to be the center of attention, he, he set up a couple of shoe crates, empty ones, 
so that he could kind of, as it were, hide behind them when, he, when they were praying. And he, he kind of put his head in one as he knelt down before God. And he just wanted to be with God, get close to God. You know, this is a, a, a definition, a description, a representation of humility. And God says, you know, if there are people who will humble themselves and pray, who'll turn from their wicked ways and seek my face, then I'm going to do wonders amongst them. I'm going to bring healing. I'm going to bring holiness. I'm going to bring wholeness. I'm going to bring restoration. I'm going to bring renewal. I'm going to bring my spirit, the fullness of my presence, to be with that kind of people. Does anybody want to be that kind of people? Oh, come on. There's me and five others. Let's get the rest of you. Come on. I want to be with such a God in such a place with such a people saying, I I I love you because God is loving us and doing this incredible stuff amongst us. You know, People like that leave a legacy on our world, a legacy of change, a legacy of transformation, a legacy of hope, and it is God's plan for his world. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, Jesus is speaking, and he's speaking to his disciples, knowing he's going to go to heaven shortly after. You know, he's lived, he's died for our sins, he was buried, he rose again, conquering the power of death and of sin so that you and I, we can be free in Jesus. I don't know whether you know about this, but you can be free in Jesus. You know, I can't see your faces. I'm assuming you're all smiling about that. Uh, Try and make your eyes smile if you can, you know, just help me out. No. We can be alive in Jesus. He's done all of this. He was going to return to the Father, and so he wanted to leave a commission, a profound sense of purpose with his people. And Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, you might not be so familiar with the geography, but you can get the idea. Power comes upon people who are committed to God. They witness to who Jesus is and what he's doing, and it spreads. Jerusalem was a city. Judea was a province. Samaria was the next one along. And and then further and further and further to the ends of the earth. It's always been God's plan to unite his whole earth in himself. You know, God's not just interested in what is happening within the four walls of Gateway Church or Oasis Church this morning. He's interested in the whole of Birkenhead and of Wallasey and of the Wirral. Does anybody believe that? Does anybody believe that God is not just interested in what is happening in the United Kingdom, but he's interested in what is happening in the whole world? Does anybody believe that? This is God's intention for his church, that we should go, witness, tell the story, And tell it to everybody, no matter who they are, or no matter what the difference might be between you and and another person. It doesn't matter one another's background, nationality, education, their sex, their skin color, their language. It doesn't matter their wealth or their lack of it. Everybody gets an invitation. And God wants to use you to extend that invitation. This is incredibly important for us as a church. When we began into this series, I I remarked that that we are a very diverse church, and that's a really good thing. We are, as a church, 53% white, not all white British. I just want to point that out. Well, yeah, the husband of a non-British wife. But but we are 20% Asian. We're 27% black. And and I think that, I I know that the numbers don't quite add up for those of you who are on it, but we're about 0.5% other as well. Um, We are an incredibly diverse church, especially for the Wirral, which is is not that diverse, really. But God has done this. We're also a church that is majority women, 59% women to 41% men. We're a church that crosses all the generations. We're a church that has people coming from all different parts of of the Wirral where we live and and all different kinds of backgrounds. And God is knitting us together for his good purposes. How do we honor one another? How do we respect one another? How do we listen to one another? How do we learn what one another mean and and, and what what we're thinking and, and how we're feeling? I came across just the other day um, a, a little chart that, that is helpful about what people who have been raised in Britain mean when they say what they say, because it's not always the same thing. Does anybody know that? That British people, they say one thing, but very often they mean something else. So have you ever come across this? Um, let, me, let me share a few examples for you. 
what the British might say. So British people might say this, I hear what you say. What the British mean? I disagree and do not want to discuss it further. Has anyone come across that one? Has anyone said that one? Yeah, you probably, okay. Um, British people, we're fond of saying this. We say, with the greatest respect. Does anybody want to hazard a guess as to what British people mean? British people actually mean when they say that, I think you are an idiot. Um, that, that's what, it's this, this problem of pretending to be polite when we're not. Um, it's really destructive, isn't it? Uh, when British people say, that's not bad, what do they mean? That's really good. Uh, it just makes no sense, does it? Um, when a British person might say in a business setting, that's a brave proposal, what they actually mean is, you are insane. Um, just um, helpful kind of clarifications here. Um, if a British person says, I would suggest, do you know what they mean? They mean, do it or be prepared to justify yourself. You know, I, I could go on with this, and um, it's always good fun to laugh at British people, isn't it? Um, I, you know, I appreciate we could spend a lot of time doing that. My wife is nodding vigorously. Um, look, we can be separated by so many things, so we need to do the work of listening to one another, of understanding one another, of eating the poor, poor. Where is Karen? Come on, I don't. You know, you need to do the work of actually, uh, you know, appreciating one another. So over this whole series, and, and last time we looked at, at Acts chapter 8 and how a gentleman named Philip, who was a follower of God, was used by God to bridge these divides with a, a man from Ethiopia and, and how they worked together to understand one another and to understand God's good purposes. And there's five things um, that we're wanting everybody in our church to do. Look, it's to reach out to somebody who perhaps isn't like you who comes from a different background, who maybe looks or sounds or, or eats differently. Uh, and, and here's the five things. Give an invitation to somebody. Look, we talked about the Alpha course. That's fantastic. But look, we can invite one another as well. Invite one another into our lives. Give an invitation. And not just for a moment. This is not just a waving across the church or you know, the occasional text. It's real life. Sit down together. That's the second thing. Give an invitation. Sit down together. Share Jesus. He is what is what unites us. He is the very hope of the world. He's everything for us. And he's brought us together because he's right. So we, we give an invitation. We sit down together. We share Jesus. Share your story. But, but go second. <laughs> Let the other person go first. Come on, you don't know everything. I don't know everything. Listen to another story and share your story. And then you will find, fifth, you grow spiritually. You grow spiritually. Now, we're going to be getting those five things out to you in multiple different ways if you're trying to remember them. But here's the principle. Reach out to one another. Look, politics can't legislate for people really caring about one another or loving one another. Protesting the problems and troubles with our world. It is right because very often people who have power or have comfort or privilege aren't aware of what's really going on for other people. It is okay to protest, but it isn't a solution in and of itself. God promises that his church is the answer. His church is the answer for the problems of our world today. But, but can I say to us as the church, if you're not doing the work of invitation, of welcome, of listening, of learning, of growing together, then we can't be the answer that the world needs. And my deepest hope and prayer over this series is we do the work. We would love one another. We would humbly prefer one another. It's God's plan for his church. Believers join together in love and unity and purpose from across every divide that humanity seeks to build. If you go on a little bit further in the book of Acts, which if you don't know, the book of Acts, it's about the years that immediately followed the time Jesus was on the earth. And he'd empowered his church, his people, with his presence by the Spirit of God. And so they started to do incredible things. They started to do Jesus stuff in the world. And the world was changed, radically changed. It's the reason why we're here today. Look, we're thousands of miles from Jerusalem where everything happened with Jesus. We're 2,000 years from when it happened. But because these Jesus people started to do the stuff that we read in the book of Acts, we got to hear about it. We got our welcome. And so we want to learn from them, don't we? In Acts chapter 13 and verse 1, 
we read about one of these churches in a city called Antioch in modern-day Syria. And it says that there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers. Prophets are people who hear things from God that no one else really knows about yet, but God wants to tell his people. So that's what a prophet is. And there are teachers, people who are doing what I'm doing right now. And, and here's the names of them. Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And Saul is the guy who's going to be renamed Paul as he starts to do God's work. Now, this actually, and you might not recognize it straight away, it's an incredibly diverse group of people from all sorts of different backgrounds. It's bookended by those names Barnabas and Saul, and if you've read a bit of the Bible, you'll probably know about them. They were both Jewish people, so you might say, well, where's the diversity there? Well, let me tell you, Barnabas was from a priestly family, and he was wealthy, so wealthy that in Acts chapter 4, he was able to sell some land and fund the work of the church. He was able to do that, and that's a really great thing to do. Saul, on the other hand, was cut from a Pharisee background, and he actually funded his, his ministry through manual labor, through making tents. He was not wealthy at all. But these guys became friends and partners in the gospel because of God's work of bringing people from across the divides. How about these other names? Well, you've got Simeon, who was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene. Now, both of these guys are Africans. I don't know whether you've thought much about it, but a lot of the beginning of the church happened in Africa. Just for a minute or two, uh, think about all of the incredible people who are the reason why the church is what it is today. Let me name some of them for you. Tertullian, Clement of Alexandria, Oregon of Alexandria, Cyprian, Athanasius, and Augustine of Hippo. That's the six probably the biggest theologians of the early church, and they're all Africans. You know, here we are in the UK, and we've, you know, we've had Christianity here for a while, and we kind of fool ourselves into thinking that it kind of started in England. Um, it's a very English way of behaving, isn't it, to think that you're the center of the world. Um, but it the Christian church, the Christian faith, the theologians who actually got us to where we are today, they're Asians and Africans, all of them. <laughs> and it only kind of came to Europe after that. And here we've got, right at the beginning in Antioch, two African men who are part of the leadership of the church. Almost certainly, Simeon, who was called Niger, was a black man. We don't know so much about Lucius of Cyrene. But you've got this diversity. We've got Jews, we've got Africans, we've got people of different nationalities, people who look different, different kind of wealth backgrounds, and then we've got Menaean. That word lifelong friend means quite probably that he shared the same wet nurse as Herod the Tetrarch, which is like a ruler. And so he, he's not just a lifelong friend, he's part of this close and intimate circle with the guy who was ruling everybody. And yet, even though he's part of a corrupt regime, God saves him and brings him in with people who were devout Jews. God is bringing people from all kinds of different backgrounds, and these are the leaders of the church. You know, I thank God for the leadership of our church, and, you know, it's a testimony to Pastor Paul, who has gone before me, that, that we have a leadership that is diverse, but I want it to be ever-growing in its diversity and representative of who we are as a church and the people that we're reaching. You know, in our leadership as a church, we need younger people, because I'm the youngest, and I am no longer young. Oh, I just need to take a moment. Woo. That, that hurt to say, um, but I'm not. You know, we need younger people in the leadership of the church, and, and we need people from other backgrounds that aren't yet represented in the leadership of the church. It's right and it's proper. This has always been God's way. You know, God wants to celebrate the diversity of his people, unity of love for one another in the church, unity of mission to the world. But it doesn't come about by accident. It comes about by courage, compassion, humility, it comes about by change. It comes about by reaching out to one another and saying, I'm going to really value you. Not because you look and sound like me and you have the exact same background and education and you work in my office for crying, or you make, you're my wife. <laughs> you know, those kind of reaching outs, those are good. <laughs> Do reach out to your husband and your wife. Just want to point that out. But it's about reaching out further, getting out of our comfort zones, really loving one another. Look, we're going to worship with a song now. 
I want you just to perhaps begin to offer yourself to God and say, look, God, you know, I'm not, I'm not very perfect. I'm not, I'm not very good at this. I do often want to be comfortable. I always want to go to what I know and to people that I know. And I don't often find myself reaching out, God, would you help me? Would you do this work in me and through me? Because this is your plan to bring the whole world to yourself. And perhaps you'd stand as we have this song led for us. And, and maybe as we do, you might be here today and you're saying, well, it's all well and good to say to God to do stuff in me. But I don't even know God yet. And if that's you, look, now is your moment. Now is your opportunity. You can say to God, I, I want to know you. I've heard a bit about you this morning. Not a lot, just a bit. But I like what I've heard. And I'd like to actually know you. To get to know you. And to begin to walk with you. And as the music starts to play, I, I just invite as everyone in the church, could we close our eyes in prayer? And, and you might want to do that at home as well. But if today... You're hearing about this God of welcome and of, of unity, this God who makes a space for everyone and changes us for the better. And you want today to begin to walk with this God, then I want to pray for you right now, if that's okay. And to help me to do that, there's two things you can do. If you're online, the host's there. They're going to put something in the chat. You can press that button and they're going to pray with you right there online, right now. So you can do that right now. And if you're here in the building, I want to pray for you. And so that I can pray for you well while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, would you do me a favor? And this doesn't change anything of itself, but it's the beginning of change. Would you lift up your hand so I can see it and say, Pastor Greg, I want to get to know this God. Thank you. I can see a hand there in the middle. That's so good. God bless you. Is there anybody else? I want to start to walk with this God, to know him and to be changed by him and to, to know all of the incredible things that he wants to do in my life and in this world. I'm going to ask one more time. Is there anyone else who'd like to join this gentleman? Right, I'm going to pray for you, sir. And I pray that you would know this God because he's real and he's present and he loves you. And he's so glad that you've come today. And he's so glad that you've come not just to this building, but you've taken a step of faith towards him and that's it's a courageous thing to do. And God applauds you. In fact, the Bible tells me that all of heaven applauds you uh, and what you're doing right now. And so my prayer for you is that God's presence would be with you, that he would come into your life and make you new and that you would start to walk with him and know his love and his transforming power in your life. God bless you and God keep you and God make his face to shine upon you. May God be gracious to you. May God lift up all of the beauty and wonder and power of his presence upon your life and give you peace. Amen. A number of people have been asking me um, about the ways in which we give um, during this season as a church. I know normally you come to a church gathering and, and the, the basket or the plate is passed and so on and so forth. We don't do that at the moment for obvious reasons. Um, but within the current uh, set up. Um, we do have a, a giving box at the back if you'd like to make use of that. And we have all of our electronic means of giving. And um, I know that in the uh, online environment, they'll put the details there. For us here, you can see them on the screen and they're available on our website as well. And so just to, to let you know about those things that, so that you can make use of them. That said, as we think just for a moment, can I, can I invite you to think about food with me just for a minute? Is anyone okay with that? Uh, you know, we're drawing into a close here this morning. Lunch is coming. Praise God. Um, and I know Pastor Karen has talked about food uh, a little already. Cast your mind back if you can. Times past here in the UK. There once was a time here in the UK when global cuisine meant either perfecting your homemade spaghetti bolognese or microwaving a tikka masala. Does anybody remember those days? Oh, maybe a pot noodle. Can I add pot noodles into global cuisine? <laughs> That's a horrible thing, isn't it? That was like the extent of global cuisine in the United Kingdom for quite a long time. Oh, thank God we have moved on. And, um, and you know, I'm not going to go through the list of all the things that you can eat. I know Karen's already done that quite a lot. Um, but look, 
the, the, the cornucopia of glory that is available to your mouth and your stomach is quite joyous these days, is it not? Um, but there are still some food differences, aren't there? There are still some things that kind of feel a little bit like, oh, hang on for a mo. Uh, just uh, let me think about this. And I know, Karen, she mentioned snails. Quite a few of you have had snails. It can mean different things in different places, though. I want to point that out. Um, because if you think of snails, you might be thinking about the French ones and the garlic butter. Close your eyes. It might just be garlic mushrooms, mightn't it? You can't really tell. I'm on board with that. That's pretty good. African land snail, anybody? Anybody? Some of you are saying, yes, give it to me. The, the only time, I'm not eating it in Africa. I've eaten it in Heswell. That's weird, isn't it? Um, somebody had a, a function at Heswell Hall. And uh, I'm not there yet. Don't judge me. Help me. Um, I need, I I'm not there yet. I had some. It's just a bit meaty, a bit chewy. It threw me off. Um, put some garlic on it, and I, I might get there. <laughs> I don't know. I need help. There are, there are things that still, and, and I'll eat most things, let me tell you. No, I'll, I'll eat like day-old pizza that I've just found. No, 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 no. no. I, well, there are some things. Now, in the Bible, food was a pretty big thing, and it could divide people quite easily. Again, in the book of Acts, there's this story between another one of God's close followers, a man named Peter, and somebody who seemed like they were totally different and far off, and their name was Cornelius. And in Acts chapter 10, there's a story. Cornelius, he was a genuinely God-fearing, God-honoring man who really wanted to know God better. He wanted his welcome, his invitation, his way in. And so God sent him an angelic visitor to say, you need to send for this guy, Peter. It doesn't make much sense, does it? Here's this guy, Cornelius. He's a Roman centurion. He's the ruling powers. You know, it couldn't be more different from Peter if you tried. But God's way of bringing him in was through Peter. And so he says to Cornelius, send for him. Now, at the same time, Peter's getting a bit peckish. Yes. And, um, and so God, he gives him a vision. And the vision of it is kind of this big picnic blanket coming down from out of heaven. And on it, it's covered in, well, food. But to Peter, it doesn't look like food. I mean, for a start, not all of it's dead yet. And, and some of it, he's grown up knowing that you shouldn't ever eat these kinds of things. You know, some obviously of the Jewish food laws continue to this very day for Jewish people. Uh, but you can read about them in the Bible if you want. There's loads of stuff that they weren't supposed to even touch, let alone eat. And God says to him in this vision, rise, kill, and eat. And so Peter's a bit disgusted. You see, when God's telling him to do this, it's not like he's God's telling him to, you know, break his points balance in Weight Watchers. Uh, this is not what's happening. It's not like God's saying, go down to the fridge and have a sneaky midnight snack and, you know, don't let anyone know. That's not what's happening here. God's telling him to do something that he feels is about his identity. He feels it's about what it is to be who he is and how he feels that God has told him to both represent God in the world and actually show something different in the world. This is a big deal for Peter. But God shows him through this vision. You see, because Peter, he replies, God, I'm not going to touch it. It's unclean. In the Old Testament, certain versions of the Bible, it calls these kinds of things abominations. You can't get much more extreme than that, can you, in your language? And Peter says, it's unclean. I won't touch it. I won't go near it. I won't have anything to do with it. That's across the divide. And God says to him, what I've called clean, don't you dare call it unclean. What I've made and what I've given, what I'm inviting you into, it's not unclean. See, Peter's devout, he means well, but these food laws and other civic laws and other things about what it was for Peter in his day to be part of the Jews, God's chosen people, they'd become less about how they brought God into the world and more about how they distanced themselves from the world. And that's not just about them, that's about the human heart, isn't it? You know, we take some of the things that we know to be good and we turn them into things that elevate ourselves. Don't we do that? All the time. You know, we're blessed by God and then all of a sudden it becomes less about what we've received that we can share and more about, oh, aren't I great and haven't I got it great? <laughs> and we distance, we distance, we distance. And God says, no, we need to bridge these divides. 
We need to bridge these divides. You see, up until this point in the Bible story, there was a welcome, a kind of a welcome for people who weren't Jewish. They could kind of find their place with God, but the only way they could do that was if they kind of imitated the Jewish people. So they had to adopt every aspect of the law for the Jews in order to find their way in. There's a a great preacher called Andrew Wilson, and, and he points out that that's not diversity, it's deference. You know, if any of us, if we find ourselves in the majority culture and we say, look, you can be a part of what I have, but you've got to be like me. <laughs> that's not diversity. That's demanding deference. If we're not willing to actually say that every strand is welcome, every aspect of our diversity is integral to the whole, that the the tapestry of the church isn't what God intends it to be if every part has to become the same type. You know, if we're not actually making this change fundamentally in our thinking and our living with one another, then we're not honoring God's purposes in the world. Peter didn't know how yet to welcome people who weren't like him. And maybe we find ourselves in the same boat today. Maybe if we're honest, we say, actually, I don't know how to do it. I just, I don't think I'm very good at it. I've got no experience of reaching out to people who are different to me and welcoming people who are different to me. But look, God did an incredible thing. He spoke to Peter. God speaking to us today. God gave him an opportunity. Look, God is giving you an opportunity There are folks that you can reach out to who are part of your family of faith. We can learn. We can grow. We can speak a better word into our world. And so Peter goes. Peter goes. You see, uh, the, the place of welcome, the place of invitation, the place of reaching out and valuing one another is not saying to somebody else, okay, look, God's told me it's okay, so you come over here to me and do it my way. No. Peter doesn't say to Cornelius, all right, okay, I think God's saying something here, so if you can come to me at such and such a time in such and such a way, come on my turf, do it my way, then maybe we'll find a way forward. No, Peter goes to Cornelius. If you're pretty comfortable in your setting and your circumstances, you're comfortable in your circle of friends and your manner of living, then you're the person God is sending. Not the person who's uncomfortable or struggling or feels that that life is difficult or they're not sure whether there's a place for them. Don't demand that someone who who, who, who doesn't have all of your blessings come to you on your terms. That's not how God does it. God sends Peter to Cornelius. And he goes. He goes with some mates because, you know, when you're trying out something new, it's always good to have friends. And he goes with some friends And he discovers what God is doing. He listens. He learns. You read the story for yourself. To begin with, Peter just says, God's been speaking to me. I'm here, but I don't really know why. So could you help me? (laughs) That's a pretty good place to start. Ask the question. Sit with someone. Talk. Ask the question. You don't know. I don't know. We don't know one another's backgrounds and cultures and environments. You know, I've been blessed and privileged over the years to have been invited many, many times to various different groups within our church. And, and you know, the first time I think I went to spend some evening time with some Filipinos from our church, I'd had a full dinner beforehand and, uh, you know, and with pudding probably. And I got there and I realized that I wasn't being invited to meet with them. I was being invited to eat with them because praise God. You know, and, and now I know. <laughs> so now I don't eat for the day because, you know, there's going to be a lot of food <laughs> and it's going to be good. You know, you, you, you learn, you grow, you, you, you change, you, you understand one another bit by bit by bit. The insiders always ought to be the ones who walk across the divide. Jesus is at a well in a land called Samaria. They were the outsiders big time. And a lady needs to get some water from the well. You know, Jesus could have made it difficult. There he is, the Jewish rabbi, the pinnacle of the society. And, and yet he makes space for her to come. And he engages her in conversation. And he talks about her deepest needs. And he reveals things of who he is to her that no one else has heard yet. She's the first one who gets to hear. She gets the inside. She gets the skinny on Jesus. 
and the outsider is welcomed in and he tells her the way of life and he welcomes her in. He does this over and over and over again. And Peter, who's then sent to Cornelius, he's seen Jesus do this, hasn't he? He's seen Jesus, the Jewish rabbi, reach across to, to women who, you know, he wasn't supposed to have anything to do with them. There's this Jewish prayer that goes, God, I thank you that I am not a Gentile, a slave, or a woman. <laughs> That's genuinely a, a prayer. That's a pretty rubbish prayer, isn't it? And, you know, there's supposed to be these kinds of divides. And Jesus says, no, no. And some of the best conversations Jesus has, he has with women who were excluded and he welcomes them in. And he says, it's for you. He has them with people who weren't part of the the normal kind of Jewish setup. And he says, actually, there's the faith that I'm looking for. There's the promise of God. Here's what God is doing. And he welcomes and he welcomes and he welcomes. God shows no partiality. Second Chronicles 19.7. It's right at the beginning of everything. Even in Deuteronomy, these similar words are there. But here in Second Chronicles, it says, Now then, let the fear of the Lord be upon you. Be careful what you do, for there is no injustice with the Lord our God or partiality. God gives himself freely to everybody. And so Peter's there with Cornelius and Cornelius tells him what's going on and Peter says, okay, come on, let's pray. Let's welcome God. You can have a welcome. There's a place here for you. And the Holy Spirit falls upon them. Just like we were talking about right at the beginning in Azusa Street, the Holy Spirit comes upon them all and affirms this reality. You're all welcome. There's a place for everybody. Everybody is equal in the sight of God. You see, sometimes we feel like um, we've got to kind of just kind of, uh, you know, dampen things down. You know, you hear people in our, in our society or in our culture talk about things like tolerance. Does anybody here ever want to be tolerated? Anybody? No, I didn't expect anybody to say you are. Nobody wants to be tolerated. That sucks. It's kind of like, well, you're a bit rubbish, but I'll put up with you. That's not what we want. See, God doesn't tolerate people. He loves us all as dearly beloved children. This is the promise of God. And he can do it because he's got everything. You know, you might say, you know, I I want to be generous to everyone, but I know my limitations. Well, here's the good news. God has no limitations. So God can give freely to everybody. God can give generously. And what God started in Asia and Africa, because God is that good, he can even bring it to British people in the United Kingdom in the 21st century. Hallelujah. (laughs) Because, you know, what God has already been doing in in other parts of the world, he's doing here now. And let me tell you, look, you know, the the global geographic center of Christianity, we're going to talk about this tonight. I'm I'm sorry, I need to stop. But, uh, you know, it, it doesn't reside in in Birkenhead even though I know this is the greatest place on earth it doesn't it's actually in 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 northwest Nigeria if you went for like where does the weight of all the Christians on the face of this planet give you the geographic center it's in northwest Nigeria right now today because you know all of this incredible generosity of God is big enough grand enough for the whole globe and it's grand enough to work here in the exact same way I'm going to stop, even though I feel like I'm just getting started. And can I invite you to stand with me uh, this morning? Look, we're going to talk some more at 8 p.m. when we're online sharing communion. But here are the things that you're invited to do. Because of your God, because of what he's done, because of what he's doing, you're invited to give an invitation. Alpha, oh yes. But invite one another. Sit down together. Share Jesus. Share your story, and you will see how you grow spiritually. God has blessed our church immeasurably, but there's much more to be done. So would you do the work with me? Would you do the work with me? All right, come on, let's pray. Jesus, oh, we thank you. We thank you for people of humility and courage like Cornelius, who even though they knew that you know, by everything they understood, they were an outsider. Yet because they'd met with you, they had the courage to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pursue this. And we thank you for the humility and the courage of people like Peter, even though everything they knew said that they ought to distance themselves. Yet because of what you did in them, because of the way you welcomed Peter, because of the way that you'd worked in his life, he went with humility 
to listen and to learn. And the spirit of the living God fell upon their communion. We thank you for what you did in Azusa Street. Through the son of emancipated slaves, the Holy Spirit poured out upon all people. Lord Jesus, we're saying, would you do that again in this place? Again in this place, Lord Jesus. As we reach out one to another, as we reach out into our world, as we say, I'm not going to prize what I have and elevate myself or put myself on a pedestal. No, God, I'm not going to distance myself, even though I feel so inadequate and lacking. God, I will reach out. I will pray. I will humble myself. I will be a person of invitation. And God, let your spirit fall. Let your spirit come upon us in mighty measure. Amen and amen. God bless you. Let's worship as we go. I look forward to seeing you again soon. Wednesday evening, 7.30, we begin the Alpha course. Make sure you sign up. Get your course manual if you're joining. And we'll see you then. God bless you. Thank you. Once again, it's been such a delight to be able to share together as a church this morning. And uh, we know uh, that taking what God has been doing in our lives, we can go and have wonderful weeks with him. Just to um, invite you um, to journey together with one another as we go through the week. We as a church, we don't just gather, but we get going into what God has for us together. And we have these things called transform communities. We would love to help you to connect with other like-minded people who are exploring God's goodness and grace and seeing how they can be a part of his transforming work in the world. So again, hit us up, get in touch. We'd love to help you to connect. Anything that you need, any prayer requests, do let us know. And we'll love to see you again this time next week. God bless you and bye for now.